very excited to virtually meet everyone. Um, and yeah, we essentially wanted to put this on just to give you a bit more of an insight into Charlie's history, where he's been, what he's struggled with, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, uh, and to give you a bit of a realization that every problem that you currently experience, we've experienced ourselves and overcome it. So uh, that was the, the goal behind this. So I thought we'd just get going and get straight into the nitty gritty of it by asking like, how did you get started on your health and fitness journey like what was the first step into becoming where you are now um so I, I kind of categorize in my mind I kind of categorize this into two areas so the first one was when I started doing press-ups at home in my bedroom at, at uni I think it was um and then my second kind of bit that I categorize it into is when I was as a teacher already a little bit experienced with nutrition and movement and stuff but I then kind of went through a more well-being based journey so I guess I separate it into health and fitness and then health and well-being. Um, but basically, the reason that I started to, to exercise pretty much and to try to learn a little bit more about health and nutrition and all the rest of it was literally just because I was so unconfident. And I, uh, don't, know, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I'm, one, I'm the youngest of four brothers. Um, and obviously, you can imagine that comes with a certain level of, of uh, Mickey taking and all the rest of it. Um, and then one of my brothers, the one just older than me, was really, really into rugby. So quite a big, strong guy. Um, he now still he works in professional rugby now, uh, not as a player, but as, a, as an analyst. Um, the brother above him was a personal trainer, went into the gym, um, loved his sunbeds and his, and his lad's holidays. Um, and then the oldest brother wasn't really into that kind of stuff, but two of them were. And I was a bit of a um, bit of a what's the word? Not black duck. What's it called? uh ugly duckling is that the phrase run of the litter run of the litter we'll go with that pretty much the run of the litter um and you know eight years younger than my oldest brother so quite a lot younger as well those three would go out they'd be doing sports and active stuff and i'd be kind of at home um and and as such i kind of didn't really have much confidence at all to be honest with you as a kid and growing up you then go and start going through your adolescent years don't you and you start to kind of realize that people are growing bigger and taller and broader than you and you're kind of there thinking you know when is it going to happen to me and this doesn't need to be about being a skinny 16 year old this can be any body shape for any person any age it's about feeling it's about feeling unconfident in your own skin and kind of looking in the mirror in the morning and wanting to hide away and wanting to kind of not really show yourself to people and it's not just showing yourself physically it's showing yourself professionally it's showing yourself personally you know finding it hard to meet people I think we can all probably relate to that but that's kind of basically that's the kind of reason that I, I started googling workout plans and I think there was a guy called six pack shortcuts I think his name was um on YouTube that I used to follow and yeah basically that's how I got into it in, in first case and then the second um sort of chapter was probably in my early to mid 20s so I'm sort of nearly 30 now um, and that was kind of my um period of really the health and well-being side of things so that was me um you probably were aware I've spoken about it quite openly recently about um but my health and well-being basically being in the toilet and getting quite anxious being highly highly stressed quite a few things happening for me on a personal level um, and then basically having that having that panic attack in class that I've, I've posted about recently and I'm going to be totally honest with you guys I actually had another panic attack on this Sunday um, just gone I think that one was mostly related to alcohol I'll be honest it wasn't related to uh, teaching and workload and stuff it was again it was only my third one ever so this is probably quite a good timing for this chat because it's quite fresh in my mind of what that's like and what it's like to go through that 
Um, but yeah, and that was kind of my second chapter kind of going into the health and well-being. So those are like my two main prongs. And I think from each of those, I've brought different stuff. And obviously, Tom, I worked with you personally as a coach, probably not too long after that second period, I think. Yeah, so that's going back a few years um, after you did a photo shoot. So what what was it that led you towards wanting to, to do a photo shoot? Did you feel like it was something when you were pursuing this on the side of your teaching? Did you feel like it was something you had to do to kind of fit in with the fitness industry yeah yeah i mean that that's pretty much it that's pretty much bang on so shortly after that period um of of kind of really getting my head around the workflow and the, and the well-being side of things i then got into this idea of like why don't i work with other people on their nutrition and, and stuff like that and then again obviously that eventually has spiraled into what is now you guys the, the teachers team and um, but before it kind of got to that I uh, won, won a free competition to work with a, a coach who will rename, uh, remain nameless um, from his podcast. And basically we got onto a, a call and he said, and I said, well, I've got this idea. I want to become a nutritionist. I'll probably be working with people sort of 25 to 50, probably primarily on weight loss. And this was all the beginning of an idea. And he said, right, you know what you got to do? You need to do a photo shoot. And I kind of thought, do, do, I, do I need to do a photo shoot? Bearing in mind, you guys and what your goals are. I don't think I have, have ever needed to do a photo shoot, but I, I, I bought into it. Um, and basically I then spent 12 weeks starving myself, got to the point where I had very, very, very low um, levels of body fat and was basically ready to do a photo shoot and shaved my legs, fake tanned up, shaved my chest, not that there was much hair on it then, um, and basically was ready to go for this photo shoot. But through that whole process, that whole 12 week prep, I had essentially just trashed my relationship with food. And now my relationship with food has never been, had never to that point ever been really that positive. I remember being at university trying to lose weight, um, kind of going from that skinny adolescent kid to, to quite overweight at university, going on runs and then not eating for two hours afterwards because I thought that would burn more calories. Like I've, I've, I've honestly done so many different things. Um, but at that point, my relationship with food was really, really negative. Um, and there was one point, actually, I don't think I've ever actually told someone else this so might as well tell all of you at one point um i remember there was one point during that photo shoot prep actually tom might have told you where i had a dominoes and i literally got to the point i had my dominoes and thought right you know i can't believe i've done that and I, and I tried to basically put my fingers down my throat to be honest with you and nothing happened and you know it didn't work but at that point i was a bit like what what relationship have i built here where after eating a takeaway pizza i've just tried to make myself be sick and obviously that's very much on the kind of bordering of binging and purging and it pretty much is the crossing over into that. So that for me was like, yeah, alarm bells sort of something's got to happen with this. Then shortly after the photo shoot happened and then probably after about a month. So basically the Christmas period happened and Tom in, the, in that January was when I first reached out to you because you like me were a very normal guy. And you were showing you going out for a drink, having a burger, living your life. And I was like, well, that's what I want again. I need to get back to that place because my relationship with food was just horrendous at that point. I was just basically not eating. Can I, can I ask, mate, with, with all the kind of negative repercussions that came from that photo shoot, do you regret it? Oh, that's a good question because I learned so much from it. That's I know, I, I, yeah I, I learned so much about myself and not really personally from a 
this is what I'm capable of standpoint, but more from a what I don't want for other people and what I don't want for myself and how a physical goal can very quickly become a slippery slope into what happened with me. So I imagine, sorry, mate, I imagine the coaching experience that you got from him as well was just like a complete what not to do for when you go much. to coach other people as well. Pretty much, pretty much. I remember it was literally a, a five-day workout plan and it was just a classic sort of bodybuilder split, which was fine. But then I was put on um as a whatever 20 mid-20s male I was put on um I think it was like 1500 calories and then I ended on 1400 calories doing five workouts a week and then doing like 20 minutes of running afterwards to the point where I was dizzy um and not to go into too graphic detail I essentially was very 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 lean I didn't have a libido for for, for long enough for me to get worried about it and to think something's not quite right um terrible relationship with food um and then my check-in was literally just a, a text message it was like a two-question questionnaire text message basically you still alive yep i'm good carry on sort of sort of thing it was it was, it was probably the the worst of coaching so yeah you're absolutely right i think i gained a lot from that in what i wanted to do for other people and what what do you think was the biggest step into regaining that control back? Because I know from my experience with doing a similar journey that it was the most invaluable thing, looking back on it, to to go through those struggles, to to have those same feelings of like something's not right here. I feel like I'm kind of developing a problem to then spending a few months piling the weight back on again afterwards, after the photo shoot's done. Um, so, yeah, what do you think helped you to kind of gain back control? Um, I think I think it was obviously working with you helped massively, but I think it was starting to see that I could have a little bit of something. It was changing my mindset around food. I think, for example, it, I'd gone from a very black or white thing um, where it is either you you can literally you can stick to this meal plan and eat these foods. Every other food is banned, like everything else was banned. Um, and it was starting to change the mindset of basically moving from black and white thinking to what I now call spectrum thinking and thinking like there's less optimal and then there's more optimal. And it's starting to find out where these things fall along that spectrum. And obviously less optimal in terms of energy intake and calories. I can't eat three weeks, three meals a day, every single day, 365 days a year, but I can have a McDonald's once a month. And I think it's literally that it was, it was a lot of trust. It was, it was a lot of like, it was a big leap of faith to, to literally have a biscuit always worrying that the packet was going to disappear like before my very eyes or you know just trying to slowly increase that food back into my diet and it didn't work like sometimes it didn't work sometimes it wouldn't go it would go the other way and I would have the whole packet of biscuits and think oh crap like what have I done sort of thing and you go through those feelings of guilt and shame and and you'd hide the packet and whatever but it was a lot it was almost like a, I don't want to over uh, dramatize it but it was like a recovery process I guess where you're starting to include those things back in your diet and you're starting to realize that it's just a food and the emotional attachment you have to that food and the feelings it's given you in the past start to fall away a little bit. But we're talking like months and months and months here. I'm sure quite a lot of people that are kind of listening to this now can, can probably relate to that feeling, like a feeling of losing control and then knowing that something's not right and having to slowly regain control by maybe reaching out for help, like putting your hand up and asking uh, asking for help from someone that has kind of been through that same struggle and knows how to get out of it. Um, would you say that's one of the hardest things you've ever had to like 
do to get back to gain that control back yeah yeah it's definitely up there it's definitely up there i i think you lose a lot of sort of self-trust when you go through something like that because you know it's kind of it was your decision to go on that journey or your decision to do whatever and then it's left you in such a rubbish place that you kind of lose a bit of trust in yourself and you think like do i know what's best for me like am i making the right decisions for me i think because it makes you second guess so much it's quite it's quite a horrible place to be sort of thing it's you know it's not just about the food it's about the mindset around it and it's about how it impacts you and that's why i talk to you guys so much about stuff like this because it's the a positive relationship with yourself and your and your food is just so important and you can get to whatever physique whatever look whatever fitness goal you desire but if you aren't seeing your friends because you're trying to stick to your meal plan or if you know my example was i've got a friend who moved to australia colleague of mine um haven't seen her since she's still there um and on her big big night out i, I went out for a meal and had a salad and then drove and we, we used to like going out for a drink before before this and i i left about nine o'clock and they were out till sort of two in the morning and now i haven't seen her for the last was it like four years now or whatever and I, for me that's the kind of thing i was like i've missed out on that opportunity like i really missed out on that chance because who knows when she'll be back yeah that the thing that comes to mind when you're saying that i've definitely done those myself in the past but it's like my one of my favorite sayings in uh, in fitness is um losing weight might not make you happy but being happy might make you lose weight so when you're feeling good about yourself when you're in a good place mentally you tend to respect yourself a little bit more you you socialize and that then tends to lead to the weight loss rather than the process that you were on was literally like what's the end goal let's see how shredded we can get you it doesn't matter how you're feeling it doesn't matter like the emotions that you're experiencing it doesn't matter what the repercussions are and it's just like probably taught you how to coach and why you want to be the exact opposite of what that was to give everyone else like the best service you possibly can with their uh experience at the forefront rather than just the result it's the it's the journey to get there as well yeah exactly and and you know that's sometimes really hard you could you know you can talk a lot about kind of right it's not going to be a three-month journey it's going to be nine months six months at sorry six months nine months it might be two years but for people to start kind of actually thinking right okay I need to expand my time frame here. Like I need to be patient. I need to know that it's going to take longer. It's really hard because particularly if you're someone who's done a lot of crash diets or you've done a lot of six week plans or you've done Slimming World for two months, lost two stone and then put it back on over the next two months. Most of us here have had experiences of that. If that's you changing your mindset to like, right, I'm, I'm just living the rest of my life. Like what I want for all of you guys and what I want for myself now pretty much is there is no end point on what we do because what we do is just every day. It's just what we do every day. And of course there'll be periods where we might want to lose a bit more weight or we might want to get fitter or we might want to get stronger. But generally speaking, what we do day to day is going to go on to your 80, 90, 100. And that's that's what we need to kind of bear in mind, I think. Yeah, 100%. There's a, going off on a tangent a little bit here, but have you, have you seen the, um, it's like an MRI scan of a 40 year old sedentary, a uh, 40 year old triathlete, and then it's a 70-year-old triathlete, 40-year-old sedentary person, someone that doesn't do any exercise, and a 70-year-old sedentary person. I don't know whether we can get that up at some point. Is this, is this the quads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's just a real eye-opener to show you what, what we do this for. It's not just to look a certain way. It's not just to even, like, lose weight and feel more confident, like, leading into your, your later years, like, when you get to that sort of 70, 80 
benchmark, one of the biggest things that happens is muscle wastage. And like being active is the number one thing that you can do to prevent that. So that it, there's just so many different things that kind of branch off from looking after yourself physically um, and, and putting like good nutrition into your body as well and things like that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think something that's kind of reminded me of something. Um, I remember my mum my always used to say, this, like, if you don't have your health, you've got nothing. And it's so true. Like, every, in the moment, everything feels total tangent. But in the moment, everything feels so important. Like, when you're at school and you've got an inbox full of emails or you've got your reports due in on Friday and you haven't passed tomorrow and you haven't even finished them yet, or you've got a stack of books that you know that you feel like you should get marked for tomorrow – right there that feels like the most important thing in the world but i think it's really scary but it's also good sometimes to take a step back and be like well, what if i walked out tonight and something happened and i didn't come in tomorrow like does that stack of books really matter that much like does that email really that matter that much if, if i wasn't here tomorrow how would i have wanted to spend you know these last like hours whatever i know again quite dramatic there but it's sometimes a really good way to put it because we always get so locked into what is going on at the moment. We forget like how lucky we are to have the health that we have right now. And I think it's, it's, it's our responsibility to protect that as much as possible. And like, if you don't have your health, you've literally got nothing mental and physical, like, you know, without that, we we're stuck. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. Um, I don't know if this would be a good point just to, to see if anyone had anything they wanted to, to share or to, to ask about like Charlie's journey. Um, if anyone, just wanted to say that they they've experienced similar similar things in the past i think there's a lot of new stuff there i haven't really spoken about before <laughs> yeah. yeah obviously i i don't know a great deal about like the the process inside this group um but yeah like it's i think it's brilliant for you to sort of just share what you have been through in the past um i know like with my clients in my group i try and be as as open and as honest and as transparent about not only what i've been through but what i'm currently experiencing as well like if i mess up if i do something like and i think oh, i probably need to have learned i need to learn from that then i'll probably share it with everyone like this is something i've experienced you probably experienced this as well um because I, I think people can start a journey like a fitness journey and often think that the problem you're experiencing you're the only one and not only do you like you kind of keep it to yourself if you know that it, the person kind of leading you in this group has experienced that as well it allows you to sort of put your hand up and ask ask the question that you might be scared to ask yeah yeah 100 i think i think that's very true and to be honest I, I probably don't do that enough you know talking about kind of you know my experiences and stuff and like this month has been i've probably drunk more in the last i've drunk alcohol more in the last four weeks than i have done in the last like four months put together sort of thing um and that's something for me right now it's just Weather's getting nicer, friends are, you know, coming around and not all friends, you know, sometimes friends can be a little bit more just like drinking buddies rather than friends. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's a tough thing to balance. But I think like, it's exactly what you, Tom, you put it perfectly there. You said, like, what can I learn from this? Like, what lessons can I take? Because there's there's always going to be always going to be ups and downs, even when you like you said, there is no end point. There is no perfect time. Nothing like magically gets better. It's just going to slowly improve over time. But even when you're in a much better place than maybe you have been in the past, there's still going to be like ups and downs. And when there is that kind of low patch, but it's not about kind of, you know, it's fine to just feel low and then to sort of sit in it for as long as you need to. But at some point you need to kind of reflect on it and as a positive and say, right, what can I learn from it? Like, what can I actually take from this to, to push me forward? 
because otherwise it does just it stays a negative and it becomes like a almost like a, a black dot on your kind of on your ledger sort of thing rather than something that you've learned from and you kind of brought forward yeah 100 percent. and and I, you and me have had very similar experiences because obviously i've done the photo shoot you've done a photo shoot both both of us kind of had our relationship with food completely mucked up with it and spent a long time undoing the the damage that it did but at the same time learned some really invaluable lessons i think the biggest thing that i've learned is that previously i would yo-yo with my weight massively like lose 20 pounds gain 20 pounds and for me it's it's as the years have gone on the the gaining and the losing used to be like this and now it's kind of like that and where i give myself the freedom to gain two or three pounds whether you're on holiday or christmas and i know that within a few weeks of diet and you can lose those two or three pounds and it might take you a little while to get to that point you might be over here right now and you want to get to here but when you get there you you can go between this small number here and it's quite like a liberating feeling you don't have to constantly like be on a diet off a diet you can just kind of uh push and pull a little bit if you go on holiday you pull back you put on a couple of pounds when you come back you push forward for a few weeks and it can be quite a, a flexible kind of approach to things yeah definitely <laughs> it's like the definition of maintenance isn't it it's i think we sometimes think maintenance is i'll stay at 180 pounds forever or whatever rather than knowing that it is yeah perfect that's a really good way to put it um yeah um the the other thing that we thought we, we would ask as well is like if you were starting out as a as a brand new teacher today what would you do is there any like what would, what would be your top three things that you could tell everyone so that you didn't kind of repeat the same mistakes not just talking about like health and fitness but like with your stress management anxiety mental health what what would you do differently now like top three things to what you did back then um, I, I think I want to preface this with kind of saying that obviously my experience is sort of like quite narrow when you think about it. You know, I only worked in three different schools under three different heads. You know, I haven't worked in 10 schools over a 40 year career, for example. You know, it, it was sort of just under 10 years. And because of that, you know, I've got my things that I would do. But for you guys, it might be something that you need to kind of take and apply to your own. Like we've got head teachers in this group. We've got assistant heads. We've got SENCOs. We've got um HLTAs we've got class teachers we've we've got a bit of everyone and so my experience is going to probably relate a bit but you might need to kind of expand it for your own sort of thing but for me I think in the early days my self-esteem and this is a funny link to make but my self-esteem and my self-confidence led me to work in a way that wasn't healthy so because and again I don't know if this relates to kind of teenagers whatever but because self-esteem and self-confidence was quite low I was a pretty good teacher I was always told and so that was my thing like teaching was my thing so I would go and I would I would I would teach you know as, as, as well as I could I would spend evenings working when I really didn't need to no one else was asking me to do this and I think I would say is number one would be find what your motivators are for what you're doing so if you're working if you find yourself working every single minute of every single day, is it because you feel you need to, or has someone actually asked you to do it? Because for me, it was because I felt compelled to do it because I don't know, I, again, exploring this here, I don't really know, but was it because I didn't feel quite so good or good enough in my younger life? So when I become a teacher, and I, there's actually something I was quite good at, you know, people said, you know, this, this is good. You, you, you're decent at this. Was this then something that I was like, well, I can't lose that. Like, I need to get better at this is my thing now. I just need to improve and improve and improve. So I basically worked myself to the bone, going above and beyond, because I guess it was maybe the first thing I was ever good at. 
maybe. I mean, I, I, to be totally honest with everyone, I barely made it to uni. I, try, I, I was working in Iceland at the time and my friend had just had, uh, moved into a flat and I wanted to stay working in Iceland and living, living in Essex for the rest of my life. I thought I had it all figured out. So I got a room in a flat and working in Iceland. I nearly didn't go to uni. My dad literally had to like drag me to the interview. He found my application, uh, my offer letter and everything. So I very, very nearly didn't become a teacher whatsoever. Um, and I think because I found something I was good at, I probably, yeah, I probably overdid it. So just find out what your motivators are. If you're, going above, if you're someone who goes above and beyond, why are you doing that? Is it because you're filling a gap somewhere else? I would say that's probably a big one. Um, the thing that comes to mind there is all like the all or nothing approach. Yeah. Like you felt like you had to absolutely give it your all until you hit a breaking point where you almost feel like you can't give it anything because you've just mentally shot yourself in the foot. Um, and like people do that with their nutrition all the time. They either feel like they're absolutely perfect or they're ordering a Domino's with four sides and like a two litre full sugar Coke or something. Like, um, so yeah, it's probably very, very difficult for teachers to get away from that mentality of feeling like you need to be giving it your all, all the time, but you know that you can't cause you will hit breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. And that link, that links into probably what would be my number two. And I've said this quite a lot recently, but is having your own standards, setting your own bar, because in teaching, it's a in the whole public sector, but I feel like particularly in teaching, because it's an academic thing, isn't it? You know, you're, you're supporting and teaching children. I feel like if you don't set your own bar and your own boundaries and what you want from yourself, you're always going to try and meet somebody else's. And that's never, it's never even going to be in sight, let alone above head, you know, within reach sort of thing, because there's always going to be more you can do. And I guess that's very linked, very closely linked to the first one, isn't it? But if you set your own standards and say, I'm happy with achieving this, I don't need to go above and beyond all the time because this is my standard. But we, all, we all know it's like, you know, we can always do more. So it's about knowing that you're good enough is good enough and not letting somebody else's standards kind of slip in, which is very, very difficult to do. And as part of that as well, I wish I'd set my own boundaries because I, I didn't, I didn't set my own boundaries. Obviously, as quite a young um, teacher you know, in primary, I was one of a couple of male teachers, very, very young. Um, it, it's a, it's a bit of a different, different sort of working environment, and it's quite difficult to navigate. I think as a you know early twenties kind of young man, um, and I found myself kind of not having any boundaries. So if someone wanted something from me, I, I was there. Or if someone wanted me to do something, I was the, the yes guy, always saying yes. If someone needed to moan, I was always there because I didn't feel, I didn't want to feel out of that community, didn't want to feel out of that loop sort of thing. So I would just do whatever I could to, to basically belong within that sort of community. Um, so yeah, what have we got so far? <laughs> setting your own standards and expectations, setting your own boundaries is, is, is one. And um, what if my first one was? <laughs> I can't remember. But yeah, number three. Um, Maybe asking for a bit more help. Again, maybe it's, that's linked to kind of the all or nothing mentality. Maybe it's linked to it being the first thing I was really, really good at was I didn't want to ask for help because if you ask for help, then you, you're failing, right? And I, I think that's that same mentality again. But if it was a child in your class who wasn't quite getting something right or who didn't quite understand something, would you want them to kind of sit there and suffer in silence or would you want them to ask for support and obviously it's always going to be the latter because it's better for them if they ask for support it's better for obviously you and easier for you as a teacher you know a bit selfishly but that's what I wish I'd done is had a mentor reached out to a mentor 
connecting with someone to help me. And it doesn't need to be a coach or you know to do with health and fitness. It could be someone at school. It could be someone who's just a year ahead of you or whatever. Or, you know, if you're a head or assistant or, or a deputy or whatever, it might be someone in your cluster of schools or it might be, uh, you know, an old head teacher who's now retired. It could be anyone, really. But I think having someone to ask questions to is really, really important. So, yeah, getting getting support would be would be number three. Yeah, I think, like you say, that's it's really, really important to be able to admit that you are struggling and uh, need some help because so many people I'm sure as, as teachers you will always say that to, to your students like if something doesn't make sense you have to put your hand up and, and and ask for it to be explained in a different way but how often do we suffer in silence with like a problem even if you've kind of maybe paid for Charlie's services you might have a question that you don't ask and like I always say like the only stupid questions are the questions that don't get asked and it almost thinking that you're you're weak is almost like your weakness itself because you don't allow yourself to like overcome that problem so um yeah your weakness can be your strength yeah 100 percent. and i know like going looking through the list of people who are here i know that i we've literally had this conversation before where they said oh i didn't, didn't want to ask or you know didn't want a message or whatever and you're absolutely right i think sometimes it's because we don't want to feel like a nuisance maybe maybe that's a bit of a, our own sort of self-esteem thing we don't want to ask for help because we don't feel like we deserve that help or we don't feel that, you know, someone's, why would that person want to help us sort of thing? I reckon it's all linked there. But yeah, you, you guys know that you can just drop me a message at, at any time. But yeah, looking down that list is funny. I reckon a couple of you are probably chuckling to yourself right now. <laughs> I think teachers are so empathetic as, as on, on, on the whole, like teachers are really empathetic people. So you can almost want to put even someone that you paid for, like your services, their needs first before your own. Like you don't want to, be a nuisance to someone um so yeah agree with that um that's pretty much all the questions i had to ask to be honest so i'm sure there's a few questions that people might have they want to know a little bit about you yeah guys this, this is like open book time yeah. ask, ask me anything and i don't think it needs to be it, it doesn't need to be about health or fitness i reckon we can we can pick the bones somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we have you? I remember some. You mentioned some of the like the really the really deeper questions earlier. Some of the quite personal ones. I don't know if you want to like ask a couple of them. Um, while just whilst people are maybe getting their questions in. But guys, take, take this opportunity. Ask ask whatever you want. So the one that I was I was wondering was what 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 is your biggest fear? What keeps Charlie up at night? Oh, that's a that's a question, isn't it? Um, to to be fair, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, but my sleep routine is pretty decent, so like I, I sleep quite well. <laughs> but like on the on the days that I don't, um, I, I think it's probably yeah, it's almost like a bit of a hangover from teaching of like something waking me up thinking, oh, have I done that? Or whatever. That's a very sorry sorry sort of, sort of like practical example of you know have I done everything? But I think deeper down, it that comes from kind of you know am I doing a good enough job which again I think everyone here can relate to it's the am I doing the right thing am I doing a good enough job you know what if this thing doesn't work out and the the event that we're doing in October for that I didn't I did to, totally underestimated how big of a deal that is you know in my head I was thinking well, we've got all these ambassadors who are really going to help us um, and this that and the other I was like 350 people we, we could get 350 people and we worked out what percentage of our 
collective following that would be. Um, and it was a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage, but actually 350 people is quite a lot of people. Um, and when, when you've signed a contract to, to rent out a, a place in St. Paul's in London, you do start to think, crap, if this doesn't work, like what, what on earth is going to happen? Like, how is this going to go? And it's things like that. I think that feeling of not, not achieving all you can achieve, maybe not fulfilling your potential, sort of leaving something on the table, failing at anything. Those are the definitely, they're some of the things that kind of keep me up at night. Definitely, definitely. Just that feeling, yeah, that feeling of inadequacy, I think, sometimes. Yes, 100%. I don't know if you can see the chat box, um, but we've had a couple of bits coming. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. How, how do we know it's going to work? I'm still being telling you the future for me is hard to imagine. Um, how will that foresight become more clearer? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. That's a really good question. And I think... I remember, I, I'm pretty sure we spoke about kind of that fear gap and having that kind of that leap of faith between where you are now, and where you want to get to. And I think that's a, I know it's a very unhelpful answer, but that's a very, very big part of it is kind of taking those little leaps of faith as much as we possibly can. Um, and I think knowing that you're in the right place, knowing that there is no place better for you, knowing that you've got support, you know, knowing that it's not always going to go right. Like we said earlier, knowing that, you know, you you are going to mess up like you will you you will you will mess up we all mess up it's not supposed to be perfect it's supposed to be a really horrible squiggly bendy journey but knowing that you know a bend in the road isn't the end in the uh, end of the road sort of thing and knowing almost expecting that there will be those awkward points but knowing that they will pass I think is a really really big one in terms of kind of bringing that kind of foresight and making it clearer that's a that's a really tough one to to answer faith is a big one knowing that the journey is not going to be perfect knowing that there is no better place for you knowing that the support's there as well I think you know knowing that you can ask whatever you need to ask knowing that it doesn't matter how long it takes as well that the journey is going to be whatever it will be I think that's a really, really important one you can get a bit sort of um into kind of mindset with it and kind of think about visualizing and things like that and I'm not talking about like manifesting things through vibrations in the universe or whatever but I'm talking about trying to picture things in your mind some people find vision boards really helpful I don't know if that's something for you but kind of starting to picture what that future will be like and then working backwards kind of thinking about where do I want to be in six months time where do I want to be in the year's time I know we obviously did this before but then working backwards to like right, am I doing the right things every single day? And I know right now you, you absolutely are. Like you're, you're ticking off what you need to do and you're on an awesome trajectory like we, we chatted about earlier in the week. It's just about, I think, patience. It really is a patience game. I don't know, if, Tom, if you've got anything to add to that because sort of making that vision clearer is the bit that I find quite difficult with that one. For me, it's it goes down to the whole skill, will, belief. So there's only three, This the, the programme that you run is obviously completely catered to teachers. So no one... I don't know of any program out there that will know the experience that a teacher goes through better than you do. So you're 100% in the right environment for that. But also you need three kind of core pillars to make progress. You need skill, you need will, and you need belief. The skill most people already have is the kind of, I know what to do, I just don't do it thing. Like I know I need to be in a calorie deficit. I know I need to eat protein and fruit and veg and drink water and sleep better. I just don't seem to do it. So when you're in a program like Charlie's, he will give you the will and the belief. So the will is the will to do the work, knowing why you actually want to achieve it, the consequences of not achieving it. 
Like, do you want to stay stuck in this place? You have two options. If you are feeling low self-esteem, low on confidence, you have two options. You either stay in that place or you move forward. And if you're in Charlie's program, then you're in the right place to be moving forward. So Charlie's there to like install the belief in you that you can achieve it. And once you have the belief, you have like the belief and the will, you've got the skill. And if you don't have the skill, you raise your hand and ask, I'm, I'm not sure on this on my nutrition. I'm not sure on this that I'm supposed to be doing, how many steps, whatever. Um, once you've got those three, you've got the vision of where you want to go to. Like the belief is the, the most difficult part, but you just need to believe in yourself or otherwise you will not achieve it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. And, and I think from that, then break it down into, as we always do, weekly goals. Like what three things do I need to get done this week? You know, and then even breaking down into, into daily goals. And I guess that's all about focusing on process-based goals. So the habits, the things that you're actively doing rather than just a number on the scale. Because if we're always just thinking, well, I want to hit this number, the actual thing of measuring your weight or measuring your body or putting a t-shirt on or whatever, that's not the thing that causes the progress. That's you just checking in and measuring the progress. So it's never about jumping on the scale one day and seeing that number or whatever it is. It's about the process process-based goals are where the change happens and it's like the five foundations that we look at and it's like you know we, we're starting to look at nutrition are we mate a little, little bit closer and stuff like that and it's it's about those kind of daily to-dos rather than the process rather than sometimes it is rather than looking ahead into the future too far it's about right i'll look a month in a month in advance i'll break it down into my weekly goals and my daily goals and i'll just i'll just look just in front of my feet i won't worry about what's six months down the line i'll just keep going i'll just keep going and then before you we know what it's like like it's near the end of the academic year like how on earth has that happened that's ridiculous we know what it's like the time is going to whiz by and if you're just making sure you're doing the right thing month on month on month that time's going to whiz by what it's like what tom said and i think tom i've heard you say this before the time's going to pass either way like either you're doing it and you're doing the right things which you absolutely are or you're not doing the right things and the time's going to pass either way. You know, you're still going to reach the next year of, of, of your age, either in this place or, or not. So, yeah, I think that's why I said, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if we've answered that. I hope that helps in some way. I think, I think that answers that really well. But I, I think if, if you're invested in a process like this, if you're in this program, then listen to what Charlie has to say. Install the habits that he's telling you, telling you to install. And we, we know the principles behind it. And the principles can't be like, there's like methods and principles. The methods can change, but the principles don't change. So the principles, if, if you're, where you say, how do we know it's going to work? I assume that means like, I, I we're coming from like a weight loss standpoint. The principles to weight loss are really straightforward. So if you stick to the methods that Charlie's kind of providing you, then it will work. And you just have to kind of, as Charlie said, not focus too much on the end goal, know kind of where you want to go but then know each step that you need to take is going to be a step towards getting you there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my opinion on that. Yeah. Awesome. There's another one. And um, what we'll I do another expo. I, love it. I need to get this first one sorted first. <laughs> Once this one's out of the way and I can breathe, uh, we'll, we'll think about another one. Um, where I, was I need, uh, nervous for leaving teaching? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, pretty nervous. <laughs> that's a hard one. In some ways, I was really nervous. And in other ways, I, it was just felt so natural. So like, for example, my first week outside, my first week in January this year, 2022, I didn't like, I didn't lose sleep. I woke up and I knew what I needed to do and I just got to work on it. And it was a very much a continuation of being part-time. 
and that was very much a continuation of being full-time and it was sort of like it was a very natural feeling thing it didn't feel like this it sounds strange but I guess I was only before I was only two days a week wasn't I after coming out of full-time so I think guess it wasn't as big of a transition as as I thought it would be so on one hand it was very natural and it felt very very normal and it, it just felt like the right thing to do like there was there wasn't really a, a, an issue in my mind at all it was a very very easy decision for me um but then obviously you know you, you financially you you've got you know an issue and, and you need to kind of think about those things so yeah nervous in some ways but quite confident in other ways which I think is nice because I find it very difficult to be confident so actually feeling confident in that decision was really like reassuring it's a really good feeling kind of thinking like actually I'm doing the right thing like I know I'm doing the right thing which is rare, I think, sometimes as a teacher. But it's, it's, I, find, I always find it crazy when I talk to you guys how much we have in common through being teachers. And I, I, I've got a theory that it's like 50% the type of people who go into teaching and 50% of what like the industry does to us and how it makes us and the things that we do and whatever. But it's always, I think, as we talk through this kind of stuff, it's, it's amazing to, to see how similar we are in a lot of ways, I think. Cheers for joining us tonight, guys. I hope that was useful. Let me know if it was. Hopefully it's quite an honest and open discussion this evening. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining us, guys. And I'll catch up with you all tomorrow morning. Cheers, team. Take care. Yeah.